720 WGN. Don't you just love that song? It's a fine, fine song. It's Amy Guth here on the Saturday Night Special. Thanks for being with me tonight. Appreciate all those callers on the in the last segment. That was a contentious topic. You know, you get nervous teeing those up sometimes. You really do because you're like, oh boy, people are going to come at me. But hey, you know what? I thought we had some civilized conversation. It's a contentious issue, but I thought that was pretty good. All right. So now we have a conversation I want to play for you. I talked a little bit earlier today with A.D. Quigg from Crane's Chicago Business. And uh, she wasn't available tonight, but she was available for a little while today. So I wanted to grab that opportunity because she comes covers politics and government with Cranes and does such a fantastic job and has so much information about everything that she covers. And I talked with her about as we're leading up to October 23rd and we're hoping to get, you know, some detail about what might be on Lightfoot's budget on, on October 23rd, and not many people know, uh, one topic that's been kind of up with that is with rideshare and the idea of a congestion tax. And there's a lot of stuff there of how uh, the rideshare companies like Uber and Lyft and, that we were talking about earlier, and also Via, which is one we talk about less because they, they operate a little bit differently than Uber and Lyft. They're more about shuttle service and supplementing public transportation. There's some thought about how they can all work together with Mayor Lightfoot. So let's listen to part one and two of this conversation with A.D. Quigg from Crane's Chicago Business. So ahead of the mayor's budget proposal later this month, Via, which is a competitor for Uber and Lyft, says that Lightfoot should consider going easier on carpooled rides. Talk to me about this. So I have never used Via before and was reached out, uh, got reached out from a couple of folks that work at the company. It operates in a few bigger cities, and they are kind of built around this whole idea of carpooled rides and building this algorithm that gets people in groups very efficiently to where they need to go. And they have been operating in Chicago since 2015 and are kind of jumping on this bandwagon that a lot of transportation folks are getting on that, you know, rideshare is here and we need to figure out a way to make it work for cities. And a lot of what uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has talked about is that Uber and Lyft drivers uh, and via drivers from abroad, from either other states or from the suburbs, are contributing to a lot of the city's congestion. And Via has said, you know, one way to attack this, people aren't going to give up rideshare, is to incentivize carpooled rides with strangers by, like, charging a lower rate. So currently, uh, the city charges a $0.72 cent per ride fee on everybody. And they're saying, instead, we should think about a lower uh, percentage-based ride for people that choose carpooling because, you know, they're reducing congestion by taking maybe one less car off the road. You know, and th- this kind of is is also part of the conversation that you have, you and I have had on Cranes Daily, just about the idea of a proposed congestion tax of making certain areas of the loop or maybe certain hours or certain days uh, taxed in a different way. And this is kind of all this, this, this part of this conversation about, about, getting around this just infrastructure of city and transportation of how we are using the city and how it's, you know, traffic is a thing. Traffic is definitely a thing. And this is something uh, Lori Lightfoot campaigned on. She was like, we need to charge a little bit more on Uber and Lyft in order to help fund public transit. We need to try to get people to take public transit. It's one of our city's greatest services. It's uh, equitable. It's better for the environment. And she has said one way to do that and one way to start is by addressing rideshare, but rideshare folks will tell you we're not contributing that much to congestion in cities, and we need to think about this in a more holistic way by charging all people that choose to drive their own cars rather than just attacking rideshare. This would be 
a big effort if we're looking at the way other cities do it. We would have to set up a lot of infrastructure to charge what we have talked about before, which is the congestion tax from folks that choose to drive into the loop. So I'm, I'm going to be interested to see exactly what the mayor proposes in this upcoming budget. Um, her, her team did not really give me any hints as we're still taking a look at different ways that we could address congestion in this budget. She has said previously that any changes they would make in the near term would be modest. And we're not clear about how much revenue this could generate either. But what Transpo folks would tell you is that no matter what we do on congestion pricing, we can, we shouldn't be using this money to plug this big budget hole that the city has. We should be using it to fund public transit instead. So that this, there's so many components at work. Do you want to use this to generate revenue? Do you want to use this to reduce congestion? Do you want to try to do both? We're going to hear hopefully a lot more when Lightfoot introduces her budget on October 23rd. Yeah, there's so much writing on October 23rd. I think there's so many, <laughs> so many stories that are, you know, right now, the answer is wait till October 23rd for so many issues, mm-hmm. transportation just being one of them. So then backing up to VIA again, are other cities sort of looking at VIA as this carpool tool? Have, have they kind of cracked the code on that, that, that maybe Chicago could look to for, for ideas and, and answers perhaps? What's interesting is VIA, um, it's, it's a very small share of rides here in Chicago. I think part of that is just uh, maybe a marketing issue. Uber and Lyft have been very aggressive in expanding to as many cities as possible. VIA has been a little bit more um, purposeful, and they are have kind of described themselves as a partner to transit. So VIA has partnered with cities like New York to provide routing for its public school buses. It has also offered um, flat fee rides, so $2.50 to take you to a transit stop rather than driving you all the way home. They are trying to address this in other cities. So they're like San Francisco has agreed to put variable rates. Voters will vote as to whether carpool rides should be cheaper than private rides. A state legislator in Massachusetts is also trying to propose a state charge on ride ships for 625 for single rider trips and 425 for carpool trips. Um, It'll be interesting to see how VIA tries to work with the city and partner with them on maybe some some ways to use their algorithm because the company really started as a way to help transit systems in cities. So I'll be interested to see if they want to figure out other ways to partner with the city, maybe on something akin to bus rides. But again, it's about what riders want to choose to do and if that could be made attractive to them. It really seems like, in Via's approaching Mayor Lightfoot, it really seems as if they're like, you know, we're not really doing the same thing that Lyft and Uber are doing. We're, we're a little different. We're, you know, especially their their model, even though Uber and Lyft have like the carpool thing and there's a shuttle service for one of them. I, I think this is, it, it's its own thing since Via's, Via is not a, a private ride. It And as you said, is made to supplement transportation, public transportation. I mean, do you think that's fair? Should they be treated maybe a little bit differently than Uber and Lyft as far as how the city views them and how the city interacts with them and, and deals with revenue? That's a good question. I don't know. This is the thing about this brand new economy. Of It seems like every week we have some new solution to X, solution to Y that these private companies are coming up with. It'll all depend on kind of how the mayor wants to treat these companies. Mayor Rahm Emanuel is very big on big tech. Lori Lightfoot is big on equity. So I think Zia has, has figured out one way to get Lightfoot's ear is to say, you know, our model and our, our view of city data, our analysis of city data shows that people from low-income areas on the south and west sides are choosing shared rides as a way to address the transit gap that exists 
on, on the south and west sides. And if we incentivize that, we could make the city a more equitable place. And I think I think that's a smart play by them because everything Mayor Lightfoot has done has had an equity lens on it. And that might win her over. We're not sure yet. As you point out in the story, the south, southwest and west sides had the highest proportion of shared trips with afternoon peak periods as high as 39% and 37% respectively. That's that that's too big a number to, to ignore and say that that's not a significant part of, of transportation. Right. I mean, these are more affordable rides. I mean, if you're on if you're on Uber or Lyft and you've seen the pooled option, sometimes it costs half as much and it takes you a little bit longer to get there, but it really is an affordable alternative to get you somewhere pretty direct. The other interesting thing about VIA is that they incentivize you to, you have to walk a couple blocks to get to the most efficient route. Um, one complaint I've heard transit folks make about Uber and Lyft is that there's a lot of drivers kind of circling around waiting for their next ride. This this system has, it's built this algorithm to get you to somewhere in the most efficient manner. It's a, it's a fascinating way to, to look at this. And again, I think <laughs> VIA is also being smart. They are they have less than 1% of the total rides in the city of Chicago. So coming out kind of boldly early on this when they know that the mayor is looking at this is also just a way to get their name out there. That's a conversation that I had a little bit earlier today with A.D. Quigg from Crane's Chicago Business. She is the politics and government reporter there. We're going to take a quick break and check in with our sponsors. And then when we come back from the break, I'm going to play part two of that conversation with you because she gets into some other stuff about the upcoming mayoral budget and all that. So back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN. It's Amy Guth here on this Saturday night special. Thanks for being with us on this rainy and chilly Saturday. I hope you're warm and dry and cozy wherever you're listening from. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your time. Appreciate you being with me. So right before the break, we were playing a conversation that I had a little bit earlier today with A.D. Quigg, who is the politics and government reporter at Crane's Chicago Business. She couldn't be with us tonight, but she did have a little break of time this afternoon. So I decided to seize the day and talk with her then and just share the audio with you tonight rather than not talk with her. because She has so much great information. Anyway, we started the conversation, if you're just tuning in, by talking about how Mayor Lightfoot and some of the ride share companies are trying to work together to figure a bunch of stuff out, because we all know traffic is a thing for sure. But VIA is an interesting one that's made to supplement public transportation. So it's kind of on its own. It's sort of its own little island. It's a little bit different than Uber and Lyft. So let's listen to part two of that conversation with A.D. Quigg from Crane's Chicago Business. And talking with Uber and Lyft officials, do they seem to be distancing themselves from VIA or do they kind of feel like, hey, we're all this rideshare big family and we have this common interest to work with the city in this way? So they have they've all teamed up previously um, when D.C. was considering changes to it, its rideshare fees. They they all kind of teamed up and said you should incentivize pooled rides and then keep private rides at, at a higher rate. I think they're not signing on yet probably wisely because they don't know what, what the mayor is working on. And both of them have said, are kind of insisting that whatever the mayor does, that she shouldn't she shouldn't penalize just Uber and Lyft and via vehicles if she chooses to increase some kind of tax. She's saying they're saying if she wants to reduce congestion, she has to go after all cars on the road, not just us. We'll see how they respond to what she proposes, but I think it's kind of a it's all kind of a wait and see because you don't want to make enemies kind of early before this budget. I, I, I could see Mayor Lightfoot making a proposal on her budget and then hoping folks come to the table and, and kind of strike a deal with her. Okay, so what other things are, are you going to be uh, most looking at and most eager to see in the October 23rd budget? 
outside oh. of transportation. I know so many things, but outside, outside of transportation. There's so many things. I mean, the, the biggie is what is she going to propose to fill this $838 million gap? It's a huge gap. She has very little time to address it. In past years, Mayor Manuel would introduce his budget in late September because the fiscal year ends around the same time as a normal year. And it's also very close to when Springfield's veto session begins. And if she plans to go down to Springfield and ask them for something, she should reveal it in this budget. We are so far hearing nothing about what she's going to ask out of Springfield, including from legislators. Legislators are saying, hey, if you have a plan... We need to hear about it so we can know if we can support it. It's, it's really a sprint down there but that last six days. It's, the veto session only lasts six days, and it's a big sprint to try to get a lot done. And if you're not down there selling stuff, uh, legislators are going to be a lot less likely to support it. So I'll be interested to see how much she's relying on Springfield in this budget address, if she comes outright and proposes taxes, um, and how she plans to fund a lot of these these program rollouts she's had in the last few weeks to kind of we talked about equity earlier. She has said we're going to eliminate uh, fines at the Chicago Public Library. We're going to change the way that we do city stickers for your cars, and we are going to stop water shutoffs. So I'm curious to see what the budget impact of, of those will be, perhaps long term. And if she comes right out and says, here's what we got to do, here are the variety of taxes and fees and cuts that we need to make this budget happen. And I'll also be curious to see if aldermen seem like they're on board. We've seen a couple aldermen strike out early against the mayor. Um, we've had a couple appointments either delayed or stopped in committee. We're seeing a couple more aldermen uh, speak out against the mayor. I'll be, I'll be very curious to see how they respond to this budget and if we see more pushback than we did in prior years. Mayor Rahm Emanuel always got, you know, at least 45 of the 50 aldermen to usually sign on to his plans. And I'll be curious to see if Lightfoot settles for 26 or 27 aldermen. That's interesting that you that you mentioned that part. It seems like there's a lot more. I don't want to say secrecy because that's that's really not the word, and that's that's sounds derogatory in a way that I I don't want it to be. But it does seem like she plays her card so much closer. Rom was such a salesperson, and it seemed like he really built a lot of consensus. You know, for better or worse, no matter how you felt about him, you know, it seemed like that was one thing he did a lot. He got a lot of people on board with his ideas, good and bad. And it seems like she plays her cards a lot closer. Do you? think that's just a characteristic of her administration or is that a byproduct of being new and this is her first budget or or a little of both or or something else entirely i think it could be a little bit of both and also um she has said she wanted to be more deliberate and get a lot of public input we've seen her have these um, budget town halls over the past few weeks where she sits and listens and solicits input from from citizens across the city and yeah the newness has to play a role in this it's very difficult to run any city. It's especially difficult to run a city when you have a deficit like this and when you're working with a teacher strike and a potential teacher strike, 35,000 people may be walking out and, you know, this giant deficit. It'd be hard enough to do your first budget and and form it in a way that uh, reflects your priorities. It's so much harder to do when you're dealing with a teacher strike and a big list of things you want from Springfield and just such a huge deficit in the first place and really high expectations. You know, she won every single ward in the city in this election. She has said she's going to completely change the way City Hall does business. It's just like, oh, it's it's a lot of things at once. It's a lot of pressure to get things right. And I think it's it'd be difficult for anyone coming in. And it's difficult for someone who's who's not a politician. Yeah, I mean, and there's a there's a lot of land to cover between the October twenty or I'm sorry, October seventeenth proposed strike date and October twenty third. There's a there's a 
miles to go between those two things. It feels like that, like that's, that's a week I would not want to be, <laughs> I would not want her calendar. That's just, that's a lot to do. That's high stakes. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. I do, I do not envy her. I remember, you know, in the run up to this, to the, uh, to the mayoral election, I remember thinking, who would ever want this job? Why are there more than a dozen people who want to figure all of this out? And so we have the teachers potential strike, SEIU, which represents folks at the Chicago Park District and uh, at Chicago Public Schools, uh, custodians, security folks, bus drivers. And then we also have pending contracts with police and fire that we, we don't have a chance to talk about. There's um, a consent decree of the Chicago Police Department that we, we don't get to talk about. Plus, there's all this stuff in D.C. Uh, we have the census coming up. We have uh, a Cook County budget. We have uh, regional issues. She's trying to tackle population loss. It's just it's so much. I don't know who would want this job. It's a crazy one. I mean, that's fair. I, I wouldn't want it. No way. <laughs> no way. No, to be fair. No, I don't need to cover. <laughs> that's right. I'm to be fair. I don't think anyone wants me to be mayor. But but even, even if they did, I don't think I would I would politely decline, I think, because that just sounds like a lot of stuff. Well, thank you for always keeping us up to date. I appreciate your time. And everybody head to Crane's Chicago Business. Follow all the things that everyone does there, but especially AD Quig. Thanks so much. Booth 2023. <laughs> I don't know about all that. <laughs> Good times. That was a conversation that I had a little bit earlier today, as you heard, with A.D. Quigg from Crane's Chicago Business. I appreciated her mayoral endorsement of me there, <laughs> That's, but absolutely not. There's no way. That's... Um, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get into politics anyway, right? That's not my bag, but uh, I'd rather talk about them than, than be in them. But I mean, I, you know, anybody coming into that role, no matter whether or not you like Lightfoot, right? Anybody coming into that role, you got a huge budget gap. You, you know, 838 million. That's a, that's huge that you, you have a lot of things to figure out. You have a lot of contracts coming back up. And now you have, you know, this, this potential teacher strike on October 17th. That's a lot of stuff. So uh, I always like talking with AD because she's on top of her beat so well and knows so much and has so much great information. So I appreciate that conversation, but it is interesting to think about via being this little, um, you know, this supplement to, to public transportation. It's interesting how San Francisco has worked it out. It's interesting to think about how that might work here if the city said, you know what, it, it is, it would be useful to, to have people taken, you know, to a bus stop when they're, they're not on a bus route or taken to a train station when they're not. So I don't know. It all remains to be seen. But I think it's very, very interesting as we've, you know, moved into rideshare. I love the point that AD made, though, about, you know what, rideshare is here to stay. It's not going away. We need to learn how to work with it. And the city needs to figure that out. I thought that was a really, really excellent point with this topic. And, and you know, where I said at the top of the show, we, we'd revisit rideshare in a couple of different ways because Uber's rolled out some stuff and Uber is such a big presence here with offices in the city. But nonetheless, it's a lot to think about and a lot of interesting stuff. For those of you who follow me on Twitter, I'm going to tweet out links to all the things we've talked about tonight. So you can be sure and find those stories and find those things. 